Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Matthew chapter 16, please. I believe we're all staying in today, the first Sunday of the month. Sunday school gets to stay in, and uh, so this is the Sunday they get to stay in. It's good to be home. Had a great time with uh, Brother Mallory and a few of our saints from Abundant Life. Brother Mallory is going to be our speaker this year at Midwinter Camp, so you'll get to hear him again. Matthew chapter 16, I want to read three verses, beginning at verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whosoever will save his life will lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. What is a man profited if he would gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And today for a few minutes I want to preach on this subject. I can win by losing. I can win by losing. Lord, I pray today that you would anoint your servant and anoint each and every person in the house today. Help us to hear the word of the Lord, to be strongly encouraged, to have our faith built and our direction clear, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I can win by losing. I haven't met too many people that like losing. Some people like it even less than others, but not too many people like to lose. But Jesus is saying here that if we try and save some things, we lose other things that are more important. If you try and save your life, it could cost you your soul. Your soul is much more valuable than your life. Can I get an amen to that? There are some things that you can only keep by giving them away. Did you know that? There are some things that you can only keep by giving them away. Well, let me give you an example. If you ever cease to forgive, you lose forgiveness. If you ever say, that's it, this brother, this sister did that to me, this person did that to me, I will never forgive them, from that point forward, you will never be forgiven. Jesus said that in what we call the Lord's Prayer. If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. There is a blessing in giving. Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. As long as you keep giving, you can continue to keep receiving. But when you close your hands and you stop giving, that's when the receiving stops. How about love? If you love people, 
Love will come back to you. But if you say, I don't love anyone or I refuse to love this person, now the love that you could receive from that person is also stopped. So there are some things that you can only keep if you give them away. Now, concerning John the Baptist and Jesus' ministry and the things that we just read in Matthew chapter 16, it's important to remember that Jesus and John both began their ministries with the word repent. Repentance is one of the least preached words in the Bible. But it was the first words from Jesus and John. And repentance is giving yourself away, turning from the determined direction that you have had to this point and saying, I'm going the opposite way now. Whatever he asks me to do, I will now do that. I will lose my life that I might gain eternal life. Repentance is so important. Matthew chapter four and verse 18. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, they were fishers. He said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Notice there's two components here. You gotta get, this is an important part of this message. The first thing he asked for was followers. But the next thing he asked for were disciples. Follow me, he said, and I will make you. Follow me, and I will make you. I will relate to you in that you are fishers of, me, of fish. I will make you fishers of men. And look at, this, this is amazing. And straightway, they left their nets and they followed him. This is amazing to me that this man has such an influence on people's lives that he can walk up to them and say, hey boys, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And they quit their career. This is a career decision here. This is what they do for a living. This is all that they really know. They're, they're probably not very learned men at all. And he says, follow me, and they quit. They quit their job. They walk off the boat and they follow him, just like that. It's amazing to me. And, and, and then in the next verse it says, and going on from thence he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, and they were mending their nets, and he called them. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And they do the same thing. Immediately, they left the ship, and this is important, they left their father, and they followed him. Oh, what are you promoting, Brother Kylie? that we should divorce our families? No, I'm just saying that you need to prioritize your relationships. And no matter what it costs you, somebody say amen. 
no matter what it costs you, you have to be willing to follow immediately, without hesitation. We love you, Dad, but we've been called and we're gonna take advantage of our one opportunity in life to find purpose. God didn't create us just so that we could work jobs, make money, have homes and things. There's a much higher calling and purpose to our lives than that. And when these four common fishermen saw it, they instantly seized it. Follow me. I'll make you disciples. I'll make you fishers of men. Now I should tell you from the beginning that there will be many that will begin to follow and some will cease. You will see people come into the church and be excited and, and repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost and for a while serve God and they will cease to follow. Something will get to them. They are one of four types of soil. You can read about it. Jesus explained why it happens. But most people will be followers rather than disciples. Most people that go to a football game are spectators. Few are players. Are you getting it? Do you understand? They're followers. I'm a follower. I follow the Packers. I, I know what's going on with them or your sports team or whatever. I know what's going on. I'm not a player. By the purchase of a ticket, I'm supporting them financially. But I'm not a player. I am a follower. I am a spectator. Maybe you are too. And you can watch a football game and you can see somebody make a dumb mistake and you say, man, I could do better than that. If that were the case, you'd be there. But you're not a disciple. You haven't put in the time and the practice and, and the dietary things and all that goes into being a disciple, becoming a player rather than a follower or a spectator. But before you jump on the followers and the spectators and ridicule them, they are necessary. Followers are necessary. They'll pitch in once in a while, they may not be as committed as, as others, but they're still necessary. Don't run off the followers. Don't run off the spectators. Give them a chance. You never know when they're gonna hear the voice and say, uh-oh, I gotta step up my game. There's something more that I need to do here. You see, a follower will watch, he will eat, and he will receive. But a disciple, a disciple will not only watch, he will give his all. He will feed all. He will do all that is asked of him. Let me show you an example of this. A lot of people could miss this. Do you remember when Jesus fed the multitudes? 
And he, you know, he got the loaves and the fishes from somebody. He, where did he get that from? He got it from the followers. Somebody preach with me today. He did not get the food to feed the multitudes from the disciples. He got the food from the followers. Somebody that was in the audience, they just wanted to see what Jesus was gonna do next. They just wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. But he made a request through his disciples to go into the followers and ask if anybody had any food that they would give, not to the disciples, they would give it to Jesus. Then Jesus took the little that was given to him, thanked for it, prayed a blessing on it, and he did not feed the multitudes. He gave it to the disciples to give it to the multitude. Anybody preaching with me today? Said, you guys line up, put the people in groups and and you 12 guys line up here and I'll give you each a piece and and we'll call them up and, and I want you to feed them. If I was a disciple and Jesus took what he had and divided it into 12, my first thought would be, this is all I have and I'm hungry. But they were so disciplined that if he said, You feed them first. They did what they were told to do. Broke it off. Here's your piece. Here's your piece. Here's your piece. And the blessing is coming through the hands of the disciples to the followers. I don't know, maybe, I'm, maybe I am too much of a simpleton, but to me, this is, this is amazing. This isn't the way that I would do it. But it's the way he did it. And, and he had an ulterior motive. Jesus did. He wanted them to see that miracles could come through their hands if they would be disciples Beyond followers. The miracles did not come through the hands of the followers. You know what we don't like about disciples? We don't like discipline. Which is the root word of a disciple. The root word of a disciple is Discipline. How many of you served in any branch of the military for any length of time? Thank you for your service. What was the first thing you learned? Discipline. We're going to make you a soldier. We're going to teach you discipline. We're going to take control of your life. We're going to tell you when to go to bed. We're going to tell you when to get up. We're going to tell you what you're going to wear. We're going to tell you what you're going to do. We're going to teach you respect for authority. You're going to learn to work. That's all discipline. 
And if you fail to obey, we will put you in military jail. They called it the brig back then. We're going to throw you in the brig. And eventually you'll come back out and you will become disciplined. Let me give you an example of discipline. I want to tell you about a man named Frank Sanders. My brother Steve knew Frank Sanders. Frank Sanders was from Minnesota. He was an excellent high school hockey player. He got a scholarship to the University of Minnesota. He led the University of Minnesota to a national championship in hockey. Minnesota won the national championship. He was the captain of the team. At six foot three and 230 pounds, he was a big hockey player. He was an enforcer on his team. He took on the other team's toughest opponent. He was an extremely good hockey player. And after graduating from the University of Minnesota, he was drafted in the first round by the Boston Bruins. First round draft choice of one of the greatest hockey teams of all. But the other problem that Frank Sanders had was he was a patriot. Because he was so successful as a hockey player, he was asked if he would like to play on the U.S. Olympic team. So he turned down the first round draft choice of the Boston Bruins to play on the U.S. Olympic team that won a silver medal the year that he was on that hockey team. After the Olympics were over, the National Hockey League draft came up again and again. Frank Sanders drafted in the first round, this time by Minnesota. So he took a professional contract terribly bright future, lots of money waiting and fame all there at his feet because he was so good at hockey. He played for Minnesota for one year, but then somebody witnessed to him about the apostolic message and the Pentecostal experience. It was his calling. And when he heard that, he gave up hockey to go to Apostolic Bible Institute in St. Paul, Minnesota. The same school that my brother went to at approximately the same time. He became a minister and made a difference in at least 250 souls in Woodbury, Minnesota because he became a disciple of Jesus Christ and was willing to pay whatever the price was to be a disciple. Wow. To me, that's extremely impressive that somebody would pay that kind of a price. There's a war that took place in heaven and that war has now come to our earth. Satan and one third of the angels were cast out. Satan has brought with him sin, temptation. He 
He brings addiction, bondage, lust, and seeks to destroy not just the church, but in particular, the family unit. He starts with marriage, and then he moves right through the children. His goal is to take as many people as he can to hell with him. He's tricky. He makes a lot of promises, tells you it's going to be all right. You will not become addicted. It will satisfy you. You will overcome. But he lies. He lies all the time. Jesus, on the other hand, came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He has provided salvation, purpose, health, freedom, prosperity, unity. And you get to choose which master you will serve. The pleasures of sin, there are pleasures of sin. You don't expect a preacher to say that, do you? But it's the truth. Sin has its pleasures, but they are temporal, and they will be rewarded. Some think today that there is no devil. How convenient that would be, that there is no hell, that there is no God, that there is no right and there is no wrong. But it's all lies. If you can't walk outside today and see nature and not believe there's a God, I don't know what's wrong with you. Do you think this just happened? Everything I've ever seen blown up never looked this good. There is a God. His name is Jesus. He has no rival. He has no equal. What a wonderful, beautiful, powerful name. And I am so glad today to tell you that our God is not the great I was or the great I will be. He is the great I am. I am an ever-present help in a time of need. I'm there all the time. Even if you don't see me, even if you don't feel me, I'm there. Do you know that God wants every one of us to live in the U.S.? Now I got your attention. (laughs) He wants every one of us to live in the U.S. U.S. stands for unconditional surrender. Unconditional surrender. I told you there was a war in heaven and that it has been brought to the earth. Now when there is a war, there are casualties. People are maimed. People are killed. Sides fighting against each other until one becomes a victor and the other becomes the defeated. Now listen carefully, it's important you get this. The defeated does not get to dictate terms of surrender. 
I, I, I feel sorry for you folks. You are stuck with such a simpleton for a preacher. But that's who I am. If you have been defeated, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, that's you and that's me. We are the defeated. We fell into sin. We know what our reward is. We know what we've got coming. Who are we to tell God what we will give up for salvation? We are in no position to do any bargaining whatsoever. We must unconditionally surrender our lives to God. He dictates the terms of surrender. He's the one that says, this is what I want. This is what, and there are some things that he wants from every one of us. Every one of us. And other things he may single out for each of us. Because he knows what's best for us and what our weaknesses are. If I am truly a disciple of Jesus Christ, then God can tell me the uniform that I'm going to wear. If you want to play for the Milwaukee Brewers, you make the team, you're not a spectator, you're a player, this is the uniform that you're going to wear. You wear this uniform. If you're going to play for this team, you're going to be at batting practice. You're going to be here at a certain time. I don't need no batting practice. I'm, I'm a good hitter. No. The team meets at this time for batting practice. And we take infield and outfield together too. Oh, I'm a good infielder. I haven't had an error in weeks. No, you're not hearing me. This is what the team does. Thank God for people that come to prayer. Say, I know what time I'm supposed to be there. I know I need to pray. I need to get a hold of God. I need to, I need to pray for my pastor that he'll be anointed today. I don't know who's going to show up in church today, but I pray that when they come, they'll feel, are you hearing what I'm saying? That they'll feel the presence of God, that the word of God will permeate their hearts, that they will leave encouraged and know that there is a God, that he loves them, and he's got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of them. That's worth praying about. And that's what somebody did for you. That's what somebody did for you. God wants us all to live in the U.S. As a, as a young boy, I, at Easter time, at least in our family, at Easter time, that was the spring of the year, and, and my dad and mom would try and get an outfit for each of, our, of us. You know, depending on how much money was in the kitty, so to speak, you might be able to get a suit or you might be able to get a dress. If there wasn't enough money, you at least got a new blouse or you got a new shirt and tie. 
but you were going to go to Easter Sunday all dressed up in your Sunday best. But one year, I'll never forget it, but one year, I didn't get a suit, I didn't get a shirt, I didn't get a tie, I got a Bible. And it was a white, I can, it's forever etched in my mind, it was a white Bible, it could be zipped so that it would be closed in case anything ever spilled on it. It was white with, with gold lettering that said Holy Bible, King James Version. And on the outside, it was, you could see all the gold on the edge of the pages. It was a gift for Easter. I was so proud of that Bible. I took that Bible to Sunday school with me. Mom and Dad said, you're going to Sunday school, son, you need a Bible. Take this Bible to Sunday school. So I went to Sunday school and I learned some of the stories in the Bible and I learned about Jesus and I started reading the Gospels. I don't think I ever read the book of Acts or any of those epistles. I read a little bit in Revelation when people died. I I found out that they had a hope of going to heaven and it was going to be this beautiful place. But outside of that, I didn't really know a whole lot about the Bible. But I was so proud to have that Bible. And I would take it to Sunday school. And I'm echoing what Brother Cordell said today. Thank God for Sunday school teachers here let's take a look at the word of God power hour on a Wednesday night youth services breakouts and activities with youth I thank God that I had that as and I'm speaking positively so I'm going to say it I thank God for the Methodist church that gave me those things I believe the Bible is the word of God So when I was introduced to what I didn't know that was in the Bible, I had a choice to make. Was I just going to follow the crowd on Sunday morning and put in my time and try and be the best person I could be? Or was this my opportunity to be called by Jesus to become a disciple? Oh, I don't compare myself to, to those 12 that you want to compare yourselves to. I, but I, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow. I want to listen. I want to see. I want to do. Anybody else like that? Anybody else that says, I, I want to be a disciple? And so when I heard this message, man, I was in with both, and my wife and I both, Man, we came in with both feet. I mean, that's it. How could we have been deceived for so long and missed something so important as repentance and a change in lifestyle? How could we miss something so important as being baptized in Jesus' name so that our sins could be remitted? How could we miss that? How could we miss being filled with the Holy Ghost and and having an experience that is exactly matching the scripture. How could we miss those things that are so important? Because we were followers. We were trusting what was said. We were with the herd. 
But disciples aren't just with the herd, they have heard. And when they heard, immediately and straightway, those were the words that were used, they changed their direction. They found their purpose. I remember after learning some basic things, I felt a call of God on my life and and I, I wanted to follow my brother. My brother led the way to Bible school and I wanted to go and Brother Tamil wouldn't let me go. You're not going, he said. I remember getting up in the morning when we lived on Manitoba. Remember that in South Milwaukee? We lived near a, a gas station on Manitoba and at the end of the street was Grant Park. And I'd get up in the mornings if the weather was decent, before I'd go to work and I'd go down to that park, I'd get on the side of that hill, it overlooked the, the lagoon and the ice skating rink that was there and I would sit down there with my Bible and I would read it and I would plead with God to make me a follower and a disciple. I asked God to call me to the ministry. No, I didn't ask God, I begged God to make me a pastor. And I didn't hear it for quite a while, but I just kept coming back. I think that God got tired of hearing me <laughs> and said, this guy, he really means it. He's not gonna let up. And I would go after work or in the evening, I'd just disappear and sit there. God, thank you for this wonderful truth. And there are so many people that have no idea what the word of God says and what they can have. Please, Lord, give me the opportunity to be more than just a follower. Help me to become a disciple. Finally, Brother Tamil said, I'll tell you what, Rick. He said, I told you you can't go to Bible school, but I'll give you an apprenticeship. If you would give ABI three years, the same place where Steve and Frank Sanders went, if you'd give them three years, would you give me three? I said, yes, sir, you're my pastor. You say I don't go, I don't go. You say you'll give me an apprenticeship, I thank you. Three years, he just bounced me all over the place. Now you're gonna work in Sunday school. Now you're gonna work on the bus ministry. Now you're gonna sing in the choir and I can't sing a lick. <laughs> you're gonna do what you're told to do because that's what a disciple does. And I was losing, listen, here's the whole point of the message. I was losing my old life, but I found a new life and I was winning everything of value by losing my past. And the things that I once loved, I hated. And the things I once hated, I now loved. I was winning by losing. I think I've made my point, so I'll just make one more and I'll quit. 
I want to tell you about one more man. And because he is past, I'm going to even use his name. I met this man in the last stage of his life. But I was privileged to sit with him in South Dakota and listen to his story. His name was Jim Huntley. He was a pastor, close friend of the Showalters. He started a work in South Dakota and uh, he and another man, he had an assistant pastor. He was his right-hand man and they owned a Perkins restaurant together. They had a franchise and so they had several accounts throughout the town as well where they could charge things that were needed for their business. And the man that he had trusted so much with everything went to all of the creditors and charged and and took advantage and embezzled monies from the business, including the Perkins itself. And then he skipped town and left Jim Hutley holding the bag. Do you know what Jim Huntley did? He went to every one of his creditors and said, I'm sorry to report this to you, but we are in serious trouble financially. Tell me what I owe you, and I will begin to make a payment to you. And he started making payments out of his own funds to all of the creditors that his assistant pastor had ruined him with. And you know what? That got out in the community that Jim Huntley, even though he was way over his head financially, was gonna work his way out of his problem. He conducted himself as a Christian. He didn't declare bankruptcy and say, too bad for you. He didn't go around and tell everybody what a bad person the assistant pastor was. He just made a deal with his creditors and was faithful to paying it off. What an example of a Christian. Then one day, on a Sunday night service, he was getting ready to preach. His wife came into his office, closed the door behind her, said, Jim, I'm not in love with you anymore. I love another man. I want a divorce right now. And if you don't give me a divorce, I will kill myself. He was shocked. He had no clue. And then she walked out. How'd you like to preach after that? So Jim gave her the divorce and was without a wife. Several years later, along came Becky Showalter, a relative of brother and sister Showalter. Jim Huntley fell in love with her, and he married her. He was a hard worker. After some time of being married to Becky, he got cancer. The doctors told him that you have terminal cancer. 
and this is going to be fairly quick, and gave him a certain amount of time that he would live. Do you know what Jim Huntley did? He built a house for Becky. I want to make sure that my wife has a, when I'm gone, she has a good house. And he took the grace that God gave him till the day that he died. And then he died. That's the Jim Huntley story. And you know what I learned from it? When people betray you, you act like a Christian. You pay your creditors. You know what else I learned? Even if your spouse fails you and runs off, you keep serving God. And even if you face death when you feel you could be so selfish about feeling sorry for yourself, you think of your spouse and you take care of her or him. Let's stand together. Jim Huntley lost, the world would say, Jim, you lost everything. No, no, I've gained everything. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Let it be said of every one of us, folks, we need to be disciples. When we first come to God, we come to God with fear and need. But if we go past that, we realize that we have a debt that has been paid and we live out of gratitude for the one that paid that debt. But ultimately, the goal of every disciple is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and find your purpose in him. And if you do, you will win by losing. Praise God. Lord, I pray for this congregation today, myself at the top of the list. Help me to be a disciple, not just a follower. Help me, Lord, to be willing to give everything, whatever you ask of me, knowing that you will take care of me and supply all my needs. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.